Hello and welcome back to the Killer Kind Podcast, or welcome if you're new. I'm your host, Stephanie Miller, as always. I hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend. If you follow me on the podcast Instagram page, you know why this is coming to you a little late. I ended up getting sick and didn't have much of a voice last week when I first had this episode ready. Then I had the dumb idea of trying to record on 4th of July while my neighbors were shooting fireworks. So nonetheless, we're here. I think the episode sounds pretty well. I'll let you be the judge of that, of course, but before we get into today's episode, I want to apologize if I'm ever inconsistent in posting. Like I said, if you're new here and I feel like I have a lot of new listeners, I do this podcast all by myself. I do my own research. I record and edit it all myself, and as a working mom, it's hard to get everything done, even in the two weeks I try to give myself, so just try to be patient with me. I haven't had anybody really complain about the inconsistency sometimes, but maybe that's just because you don't complain to my face. <laughs> but with that said, I've got some exciting things coming up, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Now, let's go ahead and get into today's case. Today's episode covers the brutal murder of a young pregnant woman. So this is going to be a little triggering for some people. There were parts that were hard for me to even say, but I think this is an important story to share. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into the murder of Alicia Bromfield. Alicia Bromfield was a beautiful young woman with a whole exciting future ahead of her. And she had a pretty great childhood although it started off a little rocky. Alicia's biological father and her mom, Sherry Anisich, separated while they were pregnant with Alicia. So her and her mom had a very close relationship growing up. But then their lives changed when Sherry met a new guy by the name of Joe. And the two would end up getting married when Alicia was eight. And Alicia loved Joe. She was happy for her mom and excited for this new chapter in both of their lives. Alicia was even more excited when her mom and Joe got pregnant with a son and eventually another little girl, making her a big sister. Alicia loved her younger siblings and they loved her just as much, if not more. They really looked up to her. Alicia got a job at the Home Depot in Grand Flower, Illinois, shortly after turning 16. She was excited. She felt this was her new sense of independence. Plus, she was able to work in the garden center, which she really enjoyed. One day, her mom came by while she was at work, and Alicia was so excited for her mom to see where she worked, and she introduced her to all of her co-workers, including her boss, Brian Cooper. Sherry noticed that Brian was pretty young to be a regional manager, but said that he was pretty nice when she met him. Alicia's best friend, Olivia Hogan, had also been hired by Brian to work at Home Depot, so the girls were excited to work together. However, their work life would eventually change and grow to be toxic. Olivia had an issue with Brian, the manager, pretty early on. 
she said he was always just a little too friendly with her. One day, she said she was sweating a lot, and Brian came up and wiped the sweat off her arm. She said the way he did it was just very awkward, and she told him basically to never touch her again. And he apologized, but ever since then, Olivia just didn't like him, didn't get a good vibe from him, and just tried to keep her distance. And we'll get into more of Alicia's issues with her boss later, but the two girls really loved their job and loved the freedom it allowed them to have. In 2008, Alicia graduated from Joliet Catholic Academy, and she was excited to attend college at Western Illinois University, where she planned to study forensic psychology and criminal justice. Clearly, she was a smart young woman and knew exactly what she wanted out of life. She was driven and just a hard worker in general at everything she did. Western Illinois was a three-hour drive from her home in Joliet, Illinois, but she kept her job at Home Depot, working during the summers that she was home. She actually received paid time off during the winter months that the garden center was closed, and she planned to continue working there through her college career. Now, in the spring of 2012, Alicia came home to her parents' house to let them know that she had some big news, that she was pregnant. And Alicia was emotional. She broke down and kind of cried when she was telling her parents, but I think that's a normal reaction because although, yes, it was shocking and a little, you know, probably scary at first, her family knew that if anybody could handle it, it would be Alicia, and they knew she'd be a great mother. Now, the only problem was the father of this child decided right away that he didn't want to be involved. But again, her family knew that she could handle it and had every intention on supporting her. And despite it being an unplanned pregnancy, Alicia was excited and fully embraced her pregnancy and looked forward to the birth of her baby. Now, although she was excited, she did want to keep her pregnancy a secret from her co-workers at Home Depot, just so she wasn't treated any differently, and she wanted to wait and tell them when the time was right. And it worked out in her favor, because when she got back to work that summer, her boss, Brian, actually gave her a promotion, which included better hours, better pay, and gave her access to maternity leave. Now, around this time, her friend Olivia was still having some issues with their boss, Brian, and she ultimately decided to quit and turn in her two weeks notice. And when she told Brian, he completely like flips out and causes a scene in front of customers, even calling her a dumb bitch for quitting. Olivia was so upset and disturbed by his actions that she refused to come back to even pick up her last paycheck just to avoid having to see him. This man's attitude and aggressive behavior was very inappropriate. Now, with that said, everyone has a terrible boss story and a boss can be like this. We've all heard stories like this before. And although Alicia had her own issues with Brian, he was nice to her from time to time and did she did try to stay on his good graces, mainly so she could keep her job and, you know, try to keep her boss happy. 
Brian had actually even asked Alicia to walk his dog or let his dog out for a walk when he wasn't able to. And she agreed. So the two kind of had a friendly relationship and, you know, again, just trying to keep the peace. However, Brian made it clear a couple of times that he was interested in Alicia, asking her out on a few separate occasions, despite their age difference. Brian was 36 years old and Alicia was just 21, yet she had started working for him when she was just 16. So a little inappropriate if you ask me. Now, she obviously declined his advances, but let him down in the nicest possible way. And despite being rejected, co-workers stated that Brian would often call Alicia his girlfriend sometimes. But then the next day, he would be mean and degrade her. Now, friends and co-workers both started to notice that despite hateful attitude towards her sometimes, that he sort of had an obsession with Alicia. It was brought to her attention when her mom went by to visit Alicia at work one day and Brian basically spots Sherry walking in the door and practically runs up to her with her description and just starts going on and on about Alicia and how it was so easy to talk to her and how they have so much in common. And then he pulls up his shirt and shows her a tattoo that said, quote, law of attraction. It was apparently something he had learned about while in anger management. And he just goes on and on about Alicia and the law of attraction and how they have a great friendship and blah, 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 blah. And basically, Sherry said the whole conversation was just weird. And again, the word I keep using, inappropriate for a boss to be saying or to be talking about with one of their employees. And then the fact he mentions he's been in anger management also alarms Sherry. Plus, you know, Sherry's probably heard the completely opposite from her daughter, knowing she's probably complained about this guy before. Because if Alicia's like me, she probably talks to her mom all the time, tells her about all of her good and bad experiences in life and at work and all the things. So Sherry said that she told Alicia about the strange conversation and to just be careful around that guy. And she said that Alicia insisted that he was harmless. A crappy boss at times, but nothing to really be worried about. However, things sort of came to a head when Sherry told Alicia that she needed to tell Brian about her pregnancy. Because at this point, Brian didn't know. And she said, you know, it's kind of time to, to start having that conversation. Mainly because she didn't want her to be moving around heavy equipment or supplies at work. So it was time. So nervously, she told him, and at first he was angry and immediately asks who the father was, which, once again, inappropriate and odd for a boss to ask their employer, like, why do you care? But when she told him that the father didn't want to be involved, he quickly, like, changed his attitude and started offering to help in any way and be there for her if she needed anything at all and if she needed time off work just to let him know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was relieved. She said that she actually had an upcoming doctor's appointment and said she would need that day off if she could. 
and he awkwardly offered her to take her to this appointment and she basically declined saying no thank you you know my mom's already planning on taking me but thank you and yet again this guy flips out on her for no apparent reason saying that she was ungrateful and started calling her a slut and making a scene once again in front of customers This guy was basically a raging psycho and abused his position as a boss. He was an arrogant narcissist who clearly had issues. I mean, he's already admitted to going into anger management, and it was becoming clear that that didn't help. And to top it off, when it came time for that doctor's appointment that Alicia had mentioned, Brian scheduled her to work, knowing that she'd have to miss that appointment basically sabotaging her for no apparent reason. However, from what I understand, she actually had someone cover her shift and that is the appointment that she found out that she was having a little baby girl. And so she was excited, despite all the drama at work, she was excited to be welcoming a baby girl and she quickly named her Ava Lucille after her grandmother. But after the big blow up with her boss, Alicia decided to start looking for another job. This is not the kind of environment that she needed to be in any longer. But sadly, she had a little bit harder time than she initially thought she would. So she continued to try to maintain a friendship with Brian and once again try to stay on his good side. So that's why when he invited her to his sister's wedding, she was reluctant but ultimately agreed. Brian was supposed to be walking his sister down the aisle and basically didn't want to have to go to this wedding by himself. Now, I will say that some have speculated that the two were more than friends. However, her best friend Olivia and her family have all shut that down, saying that she was definitely not in any sort of romantic relationship whatsoever with this guy. She just wanted to keep her job. At least until she could find another one. So, Brian makes all the plans for the wedding. He basically explains that he'll book a room at the Sands Bay Beach Resort in Door County, Wisconsin, close to where the wedding was going to take place. Door County was described as a rural town along Lake Michigan, but a popular spot for those who lived in Chicago, being just a couple hours away from the big city. Alicia's friend Olivia expressed her concerns, obviously, about her going to this wedding, and Alicia reassured her that they were staying with the rest of the wedding party at this resort, so that brought her comfort, knowing that she wouldn't have to be completely alone with Brian the entire time. There would definitely at least be other people there. So, on Friday, August 17th, 2012, Brian and Alicia make the four and a half hour drive up to Door County. And I couldn't find anything that really described that night, that Friday evening. However, the following morning, the day of the actual wedding, Sherry gets a strange call from her daughter saying that they were packing up the car to leave. That apparently the two got into this big argument and Brian was telling them that they were leaving. But Sherry was like, how could he do this to his sister? He's the one walking her down the aisle. And she told Alicia to be sure to call Brian's sister and tell her at least that they're not coming. And she said, I can't call. I don't know where she's staying. And this was confusing. This was alarming because 
Alicia had told everybody that they were staying with the rest of the wedding party. However, that wasn't actually the case. So, Sherry was clearly concerned that her daughter had been misled about the whole situation. So, what were this guy's intentions? But a few hours go by and Sherry doesn't really hear anything from Alicia. So, she texts her and asks if everything's okay. You know, where are you? What's going on? And Alicia explains that everything's fine right now. That they plan to stay. And the wedding goes off without a hitch. There are pictures of Brian walking his sister down the aisle as expected. And a couple of awkward, I would describe, pictures of Brian and Alicia at the wedding. One where he sort of leaned over towards Alicia with his hand on her arm. And she clearly just looks uncomfortable. Not very welcoming of this embrace, if you will. And another of them, what looks like sitting at the reception. And Alicia is sitting there with her chin kind of propped on her hand. Trying to look happy in a way. But again, clearly uncomfortable. Which... You could also just chop up to not knowing anybody there besides her douchebag of a boss. But after the champagne toast, Alicia and Brian leave the reception and head back to the resort to end the night. And as far as everyone knows, the two probably just went to bed as planned and would be headed back pretty early the next morning. That was until the morning of August the 19th that next morning when Brian Cooper makes his way to a nearby gas station and asks to use their phone. And what happened next was all recorded through the Door County 911 dispatch. However, the only full recording I could find was when it was played in the courtroom, which is kind of hard to hear. So instead, I want to walk you through the 911 call and then what happens afterwards. So Brian Cooper walks into this gas station in what many have described as soaking wet clothes. The security footage of him getting out of the car and going inside is not very clear. For some reason, security footage never is. So it's hard to tell what exactly he looked like at the time. However, we can tell that he walks inside and he asks the cashier to dial 911. So... The 911 call starts off with this woman basically saying they're calling for someone else and she hands Brian the phone. And he says, I'd like to report a murder, please. Just like that. (laughs) Clearly, the dispatcher is taken aback. He gives her his name. She asks if he's sure it was a murder and he says yes. She asked if it was today that this happened. And he said it was last night, which would have been that Saturday night. He's then asked if he witnessed the murder, and he said yes. And when asked where the body is now, he said it's in the room at the Sand Bay Beach Resort. And lastly, he's asked if he knows who murdered this person. And he disturbingly and like chillingly says, I did. The dispatcher went on to ask him why he did this, asking if he was angry or if it was maybe an accident, and he said it was intentional. After this, he sort of breaks down and says, 
quote, I'm a good person despite what I did last night. He said, Alicia's family is going to flip. Everyone is going to flip. Moments later, Door County Sheriff's deputies arrive on the scene and immediately put Brian Cooper in handcuffs and take him to the police department for questioning. Police are obviously hopeful that he stays so open to talk because they need to find out, one, who Alicia is or who this girl is and why this happened and what actually happened. In the meantime, Door County Sheriff's investigator Mark Winkle got the call about the bizarre 911 call and immediately heads over to the Sand Bay Beach Resort. And sure enough, when he walks in this room that belonged to Brian, he sees a young woman lying on the floor with her head resting on a pillow as well as a blanket pulled up to her shoulders. Detective Winkle said it almost looked like she was just resting, but upon further inspection, there were clear signs of injuries to this female's body, as well as what appeared to be defense wounds. So at this point, Detective Winkle knows he's got to get back up to the station and talk to this Brian guy and hopefully find out exactly what happened and hopefully why. So, the detective gets Brian Cooper in the interrogation room and sort of eases him into conversation, hoping that he'll continue to confess and continue to be, once again, like I said, as open as he's been so far. He starts off by asking him, you know, what brought him down to Door County. He explained that he was there for his sister's wedding and that he came with a girl named Alicia. And when asked who she was to him, he said that they were co-workers, but that the two were sort of dating. He goes on to say that the two were friends, but he always wanted it to be a little bit more. But he was respecting her in a way for her pregnancy, which we know is complete BS because everyone in Alicia's life was saying that the two were in no way, shape, or form dating or had any sort of romantic relationship, despite what he's trying to say here. Detective Winkle asked him if the two got into a fight earlier that day or if something happened between the two of them that would have led to her being killed. And he said that they got into a fight by the end of the night and Alicia was fed up and basically made it clear that the two of them would not even be friends when they got back home. And to Brian, that just wasn't an option. So after the reception, the two went back to the room. Alicia went straight to bed. And that's when Brian said he continued drinking. There were four to five empty beer bottles found on the patio area of this hotel room. He explained that he just got more and more frustrated and hurt. And eventually realized that he actually wanted to physically harm Alicia. And that's when he said that he started prepping. He said that he started gathering cords, phone cords, computer cords that they had around the room and that he thought about maybe tying her up at first, but then decided against that. And as he's moving stuff around, he claims that Alicia briefly wakes up 
and he asks her about watching some show on Sunday when they got back. And apparently, he had mentioned wanting to do this with Alicia already. They had already talked about it previously. And she basically tells him, no, that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I can picture her being like, you're delusional. Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. And he said that sort of triggered him. He essentially snapped at that moment. So he said right then and there, he jumps on top of Alicia as she's still lying on her back in the bed. And he starts strangling her. She obviously freaks out and realizes what's happening. And at this point in during the questioning, he sort of breaks down and says that Alicia basically says, what are you doing? And starts begging him not to do this because of the baby. But he doesn't stop. However, she continues to fight back. She bites his finger at one point and the two roll off on to the floor. He continues to strangle her at that moment until she stops breathing. And y'all, I wish I could say that was the worst of it. Killing a pregnant woman and her unborn baby at the same time. I wish I could say that was it. So, a little bit of a trigger warning here. It gets way worse. At one point during the interview, Detective Winkle asks if he had had sex with Alicia that night. Basically trying to push this false narrative of a relationship between the two. To which Brian admits that he had had sex with Alicia. But it was after he strangled and killed her. Now, this moment is described in detail, but I would rather not have to talk about that part of the story because that's not the focus here. But yes, this man not only attacks a and strangles and kills a woman that he had basically had to force to hang out with him, he also rapes her after he's killed her. There is a special place in hell for someone who is capable of that. That's all I'm going to say. After this, Brian said he put a blanket over her and admits to trying to kill himself. Not with too much effort, might I add. He tried using a butter knife and then a corkscrew to stab himself in the side of the head. But obviously, that didn't work. So he said he ended up falling asleep in the bathtub. And when he woke up, he drove to a nearby park. He said once he got to the bay, he swam out to the middle and tried to drown himself. He told the detective that he just didn't want to go home. There was nothing worth going home to. But despite his efforts trying to drown himself, he was unsuccessful because he said he was panicking and just couldn't do it. At that point, he leaves the bay and decides to find a gas station or somewhere to call the cops and turn himself in, which explains why his clothes were apparently soaking wet when he arrived at the gas station. Now, because of this horrifying confession, Detective Winkle felt the need to ask, you know, have you done something like this before? Have you killed anyone else? Brian said no, that he's never killed anyone but when asked if he's harmed someone else, he admits that he actually has. He said yes. And when asked to describe that 
moment and like what happened there. He said that he actually tied his ex-girlfriend up during a fight one time just because he said he couldn't get through to her. Sadly, she never reported that to police. And honestly, who knows what could have happened if she had. Maybe at the very least, he wouldn't have kept his job as the regional manager at Home Depot. Therefore, not having access to Alicia. But sadly, that wasn't the case. Now, after all of this, basically Detective Winkle wraps everything up and basically asks him one more time, you know, did you kill Alicia? And he says, yes. He said, did you decide to kill her while she was asleep? And he said, yes. When asked, how did you kill her? He said, with his hands. And he literally holds his handcuffed hands up in the air. And that is when police officers walked into the room and placed Brian Cooper under arrest for the murder of Alicia Bromfield. Now, he was charged with two counts of first-degree intentional homicide for both Alicia and her unborn baby girl, as well as third-degree sexual assault of a corpse. As Brian is being charged and booked into the Door County Jail, a police officer and a friend of Alicia's family is given the unfortunate task of delivering the horrible news to her mother, Sherry. Sherry said that when the officer came to her door, he had tears in his eyes, and she immediately knew that Alicia was gone. But she honestly thought that it was probably like a car wreck on the way back from the wedding or something like that. However, she was told that there was actually a homicide, and she was just in shock. She said that she couldn't believe it. And in a Speaking of shocking, a shocking turn of events, Brian enters a plea of, wait for it, not guilty. Unbelievable. The family and the investigators were stunned. He gave a very detailed, with very little emotion, confession. How on earth is he now claiming not guilty? But unfortunately, Due to the not guilty plea, the case has to go to trial, and Alicia's poor family is forced to sit there and hear the details of her death while in the same room as her killer. Ten months after his arrest, the trial is set to begin. And at the trial, Brian's defense team knew he'd basically already given a full confession, so they had to find a way to spin this to their favor. So they claimed voluntary intoxication as his defense, which plays a huge part in today's case. But you're probably wondering, what does that even mean? Basically, there is voluntary and involuntary intoxication that can be used as a defense in court. Voluntary intoxication means that you willingly took drugs or alcohol knowing it could impair your judgment which it usually does. So in this case, Brian was claiming that he was so intoxicated, so drunk that he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, again, total BS, but we'll get more into that later. Sadly, during the trial, Alicia's mom 
and family had to listen to the confession tape and the 911 call explaining how he killed Alicia in brutal detail. Sherry explained that it just didn't feel real. She said the way that he was telling it just sounded like he was explaining something that he had watched on TV, not a brutal murder that he had just committed. And not only did they have to sit and listen to her killer's confession, they also had to hear all about Brian's obsession and we find out perverted obsession with Alicia. After a search of Brian's Plainsfield, Illinois home, investigators found numerous videos of Alicia Bromfield taken from inside Brian's home. I mentioned earlier that Brian would sometimes ask Alicia to go walk his dog for him. Well, that's when he would take these videos. He had set up a spy camera directly in front of the toilet in his bathroom. So he had actual videos of her using the restroom, which is just disturbing and disgusting. But that wasn't all. Police learned that he even brought a spy camera with him to the resort for the wedding. He had placed it in the bathroom, and there was video capture that showed her getting out of the shower. I mean, this man was sick. On June 22nd, 2013, the jury had its verdict. And he was found guilty on one of the charges brought against him, but not the one you might think. So the jury found Brian Cooper guilty of the third-degree sexual assault charge. But the jury was deadlocked on the first-degree intentional homicide charges. And you're probably wondering, How on earth could they not convict this guy of murder? Well, sadly, there were two jurors who believed his ridiculous voluntary intoxication defense. And they truly believed that he was so intoxicated that he didn't know what he was doing. And Alicia's mom said the sad part is that there were actually two female jurors that kept him from the murder conviction. Two females believed his defense after all the evidence, after listening to the confession, after seeing the perverted spy camera footage taken of Alicia inside his apartment. And Detective Winkle made the point, it makes zero sense that he could claim being extremely intoxicated, that he didn't even know what he was doing. However, he was able to describe every single detail of that night. Like Alicia's mom said, he described it like, a game he had watched on TV. This was something he had clear recollection of. And last I checked, if you're so intoxicated to the point where you physically can't control your actions, then you wouldn't have such a vivid memory of the entire night. It, it's stupid. It's absolutely nonsense. And it was heartbreaking for Alicia's family. Sherry said, As soon as she heard the words deadlock, she just got up and left the room. She was so overwhelmed with emotions at that moment, and I don't blame her. But that wouldn't be it for Alicia's case. Despite the devastating outcome, Alicia's mother wasn't going to take the verdict lying down. 
She said the day after the verdict was read, she had a meeting with all of Alicia's friends and family, and they all decided to start lobbying against the intoxication defense. She said she didn't want another parent or person to hear alcohol used as a defense for murder, and she did it. She was able to have the voluntary intoxication defense removed from the courts in Wisconsin and 31 other states. However, sadly, it wasn't able to be removed from her daughter's case because Brian's defense was apparently grandfathered in. So he was still able to use that defense in his retrial a year later. Now, Detective Winkle had his work cut out for him for this retrial. He basically goes back to the drawing board because to him, it was a slam dunk. Like, what else could they possibly show these jurors and show these people to prove this man did this willingly, intentionally, and screw the intoxication defense? And basically, they had the genius idea of finding witnesses that were at the wedding In the 2014 trial, the prosecutors called witnesses that were at the wedding, and they were able to testify against Brian, describing just how intoxicated he was, or really how intoxicated he wasn't. And the retrial only lasted about a week, with all of the same evidence and a few new witnesses. And it only took an hour for this new jury to deliberate. Brian Cooper, thank the Lord, was found guilty of first-degree intentional homicide. Two counts of first-degree homicide for Alicia Bromfield and for her unborn baby girl, Ava Lucille. He will serve two consecutive life sentences at Wisconsin's Dodge Correctional Institution. Now, after the sentencing, Alicia's mom filed a civil lawsuit against Alicia's employer, Home Depot. She explained that as her employer and as Brian's employer, they had a duty to uphold for the care and to protect Alicia from someone in management. She sued the company saying they hired someone for a management position that had been known to sexually harass, verbally abuse, and physically intimidate his female employers and co-workers, alleging that they had failed to protect their female employees, all of them. People came forward as a result of this lawsuit with stories from other staff members and other staff in management positions claiming either hearing about sexual harassment or personally experiencing assault or harassment by Brian Cooper. From what I can tell, the court has stated that this should be brought before a jury, and that has not taken place at this time. But I will try to keep you guys posted on that. So, what are your thoughts on this one? It was horrifying, frustrating, but also inspiring how Alicia's mom was able to completely change a law in 32 states. Good for her. Alicia was finally able to receive justice, although I do believe Home Depot needs to take some responsibility. It's clear he was known to have obsessions with these young employees, and it was a known fact that he would verbally 
abuse and sexually harass women at work and cause scenes in front of customers. And it was brought up to other members of management, yet nothing was ever done. That's the real tragedy here is that somebody can't even be comfortable and safe at work. And in most cases, just like this one, Alicia needed her job and didn't want to quit or be fired for not doing what she was being told to do or trying to be forced to do. So she did what she felt she needed to do to keep her job. I think that's the lesson here. Stand up for yourself or remove yourself from any bad situation. If nobody in a higher position is going to help you or be there for you, then do what you need to do to get out of that. And I'm sure Alicia really believed that he was harmless. I mean, I highly doubt she felt that he would actually ever get physical with her, let alone murder her. But even if you're the friend to Alicia or someone like her, like, do what you can. Step in. Help get your friend out of that situation. And if you're listening to this today and you see some similar signs that you might be seeing from somebody else in your life, like, you are strong. You can get out of this. You will be okay despite what you think. Staying in a bad situation will always be worse than getting yourself out of it, no matter what you think that might look like. But as always, I want to know your thoughts. So be sure to head over to the podcast Instagram page to share your thoughts there. I will actually not be back in two weeks with another episode because I will actually be on another podcast as a guest. I am very excited, slightly nervous, but I know it's going to be fun. And I know that you guys are going to enjoy it too. So stay tuned for all the details on that. Until then, I'll be working on the next episode as well as prepping to be a guest on the other podcast. So I'll be back here in three weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe, guys. Bye.